This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. All right, so this week on Person of Interest, we're doing something. We're switching the tables here a little bit. I get to, I'm very lucky that I get to produce this podcast, so I get to choose the people who come on sometimes, sometimes. And this week I decided that, Jeff Thomas, you are this week's Person of Interest. You couldn't get a guest this week, could you? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> what I really wanted to do was like get you and Jenny in here together and somehow do a thing and get both of you guys. Because four hours a day isn't enough. Sometimes, you know, it's great. People always say about John, like, so you guys like best friends now? I'm like, we keep it a work relationship. It's good. Yeah. It's a good thing. That's it's perfect. It's perfect how, how it is now. Well, we were really good friends before we ever teamed up to do mornings. I didn't know that because yeah. you guys were both in Tampa together. Yeah, we were co-workers. When I started working there, she was on noon to three. Okay. And I started at three and we ended up in a lot of the same bar gigs together. Yeah. And we just, we just hit it off. We got along. So after years of this... When the opportunity came up to do a morning show, it just seemed like a, a natural fit because we had all this chemistry off the air. Why yeah. wouldn't why wouldn't it work on the air? And did it work? Not really. Okay. No. <laughs> and this was y'all. So you guys started doing mornings together in Tampa, Florida. Right. We had worked together in a top 40 station for years, but not on the air together. Mm-hmm. Our sister station across the hall lost the morning show. They, they got a job in Minneapolis or some other city. So they had an opening. And I thought, you know, generally speaking, I don't like listening to radio morning shows. Really? No. <laughs> How is this possible that this is your life? I just wasn't into bits or stunty Mm -hmm. underwear on your head radio. Yeah. What if we just tried doing a morning show that we would actually listen to? And there was nothing particularly innovative about it. It was just two best friends hanging out, talking about pop culture or whatever's happening in the world. And, you know, some days it was more interesting than others. But if we got personal, we talked about our lives, we talked about relationships I don't know. Would that be interesting? We never really had a chance to find out because about a month into the job, Jen was pregnant with Jacob. Oh, wow. And she was put on bed rest almost immediately. And so what do we do? We scrambled and and we set up this ISDN line in her house. And so we we had her piped in from her living room. And it was just... Trying to have chemistry with someone who's not in the room with you mm-hmm. is tough enough, but even after she returned to work, we were so green, and it never felt like management was really committed to the success of the radio station. There were just a lot of factors that within a year and a half, it was over. Yeah. But it turned out the program director of Q102 used to vacation down there and was like this huge fan. Really? As he explained it to me. Okay. So he said, we heard you're available. I had never been to Ohio before. I knew it was in the Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) Never set foot in Cincinnati. You knew the Icky Shuffle? Nope. Didn't know anything about Cincinnati. What year is this? Do you mind if I ask what year? 2002. Okay. Okay. And it was shortly after the riots. Mm -hmm. And the city was going through this. uh, There was a lot of of self-loathing going on. Yeah, I remember that. Very vividly, I was in high school and there was a, it was during spring break and our city was on a curfew. And then after that, being someone, I went to UC to the next fall, the fall of 2003. And it really was a kind of a really sad, low ambiance was that was the ground level of the city. You know, it was fog on the ground. It was just. We were all here trying to figure out what to do next. Yeah. But as outsiders, we came here, we saw all this lovely potential because we saw this beautiful town that may have lost its way for a moment, but had all this incredible potential in its its art and its history and its culture and its architecture. One of my favorite things about Cincinnati is is how old architecture and new architecture sort of coexist side by side. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's visually, it's a stunning city and the people, they're just genuinely nice. And it moves, it, for me, just the right pace. And I'm originally from the Boston area, so this was sort of like the perfect, it wasn't too, wasn't too slow, wasn't too quiet, but isn't too frenetic. Yes. You know, I had also lived in New York for three years. Oh, and that look on your face says it all. Yeah, it was 
tough. It was, it, it was fun and it was exciting, but it was also stressful and nonstop. Yeah. But it was great. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. Tight calf muscles all the time. For sure. All the time. It's the best shape of my life in yeah. that city. Because <laughs> if you're not walking, you're running everywhere. Yeah. Or, or yeah. getting knocked around. Yeah. <laughs> and so Cincinnati was just like the perfect place at the perfect time. And the plan was, you know, if we could do five years, that would far exceed our dream. Q102 signed us to an initial 18-month contract. 18 months turned into three years, which turned into five, which turned into seven, and it'll be 17 years this October. Wow. I never had a job for more than, well, I mean, Tampa was eight years, and to me, that was uh, that was the longest. I'd yeah. never been anywhere for more than three. That's I mean, that's a long time. Eight years is a long time. Well, Even the, three years before that is a long time. Well, you were young and moving around. Yeah, well, Still and there's young. a lot of turnover in radio, mm-hmm. and it's just a transient business, which... When I got into it, that was what made it exciting for me. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching WKRP in Cincinnati, and I think I was kind of enamored with the idea of just kind of going from town to town and job to job and meeting people along the way, and that was how I was going to see the world. Is that why you got into radio? Partly. I was always really fascinated with the medium of radio because for me, it was an escape when I was a kid. I was terrible in school. I have dyslexia, so everything was was a challenge for me academically, and so when my parents would drive me to school and the radio was on, I would listen to these guys on the radio that were laughing and joking and they were having this fantastic time. And they were talking about everything under the sun. I used to listen to this guy. His name is Carl D'Souza, and he was the morning host on WBZ in Boston, the city that I grew up in. And he was just sort of this like urbane, sophisticated guy that he knew everyone. And he would banter with the news guy who would banter with the sports guy who bantered with the weather guy. And then they would... They would laugh and joke with the guy in the traffic helicopter, and it was just this team of guys <laughs> that were like having a, a ball. Yeah. And I was so jealous. I, I want to do that. That's not work. Those guys aren't working. You know, my stepfather went to a job every day that he he was very good at. I just don't know how fulfilling it was for him. I, I, I don't know of any... What did he do? Do you mind if I ask? Yeah, he, he was an account mm-hmm. executive for uh, for a textile company, and his division was he would sell carpet to developers and builders who were building skyscrapers and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was very good at it, made a very good living, and it provided for his family, but I don't think it ever really excited him. And as a kid, I didn't really know many adults who loved what they did. I think they just, they did whatever they did, or they did what they had to do to provide for their families, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And so for me, radio was, it wasn't just an escape, but it seemed like fun. And I thought, it's so bizarre to me how these strangers, these people who I never met, I feel connected to them. I don't even know these guys, but I know everything about them. So in our town, in the suburb of Boston that I grew up in, we had this 10-watt educational student-run radio station in the high school. And I was so enamored and fascinated by it all. I wanted to be a part of it, but I wasn't old enough because you had to be in high school and I was only in the fourth grade. But once a year, they would do this radiothon where they would invite people to make a donation to whatever the local charity was and for you know five dollars they would let you go on the radio and you could read a book or something you could read a story so they would have these like thin little you know dr seuss books or something or i think i grabbed peter cottontail or something out of it and i just read it on the radio and i had the headphones on i turned the mic and they introduced me and i was reading on the radio and i'm like this is the greatest thing uh, ever that is cool how old are you i was in the fourth grade that's super cool yeah the faculty advisor, he picked up on my enthusiasm and he told my stepfather, he says, listen, you know, we can't, I mean, you got to be in high school, but if he ever wants to come down and just sort of hang out, I don't know, maybe he can like help out the high school kids or something, or maybe sort of be a gopher, like a glorified intern where, you know, he answers the request line or he puts the, he puts the albums away or he mm-hmm. takes out the trash or gets the kids food or something. Yeah. And so that's what I would do after... I finished my homework every day. I would run down to the radio station until they finally started letting me sit in on some of the shows and actually talk on mic. I didn't know this. So you're very lucky. I I have always envied people, and I think a, a lot of uh, people in the world do, people who have known what they wanted to do and were driven by such passion at such a young age. Yeah. Because you feel like that was that that's this has been your whole life. It's been my whole life because yeah. I love the intimacy of radio. And... There was no internet, 
So you never knew what the guy looked like. Like these guys that I listened to growing up, mm-hmm. I didn't know what they looked like. Yeah. Unless you were lucky enough to go to a live remote if they were broadcasting live someplace and you got to sort of see them mm-hmm. in action. And I remember the first time I got to see a real live radio studio, it just blew me away. I was the the technology of it and all those buttons and lights just thrilled me and I knew that I wanted to be to be a part of it. But the anonymity of it appealed to me too because I was am still very socially awkward, but that was the one place where I felt the most comfortable because you can be anybody you want to be. And radio was about theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. And today it's different because in the age of the internet, we Facebook live everything and we're constantly posting photos and we have a partnership with Fox 19 where we do live television hits every Monday. So it's a whole different world now. Yeah. But that anonymity and that intimacy is what attracted me to it in the beginning. Is it fair to say you're a glutton for human connection? Yeah. Regardless. I think you're one of the yeah. most, you're my favorite person to talk to. That's a bold statement and I really mean it. And we've only, I'm like, we the, the, the conversations we've had have been so great and they're not, we don't talk every day, you know, but I love talking to you. We don't talk every day, but I feel like when we talk, it's, it's good. It's quality. It is. You know, it's quality. Like we're connecting. Right? You know? <laughs> it's true. So I would like to go back to just... That's, a comp- that's high praise, by the way, coming from you. Oh, well, uh, thank you. Same to you. I feel feel like just mutual love here. I'm just fangirling oh, right now. Fun. Really bad. It's mutual. So do you, is there a moment in your life that you think was really pivotal, that really changed the game and brought you to where you are now, and you wouldn't be here if this one moment would have happened to you? Well, after high school, I think I kind of lost my way because I didn't, I didn't have any radio jobs waiting for me. There, there just weren't any job prospects, and I, I needed to make money. I had flunked out of my first semester of community college, which goes to show how bleak my prospects were. <laughs> so I just, I had this part-time job at the movie theater that turned into a full-time job, which turned into an assistant manager job, which then quickly turned into a manager's job. And I just, it just seemed to be like life was just kind of happening to me and I wasn't really in control of it. And I guess I kind of thought that, yeah, this is sort of my life now and this is what I'm going to be doing. Working at the movie theater. Was working at the movie theater. So this cashier who worked there was attending Endicott College. She was interning at a top 40 station in Boston at the time. And, you know, I'd say, oh, you know, I worked in radio once. (laughs) And she uh, she said, well, do you have any old tapes? I want to hear them. And I'm like, yeah. So I I dug one up and I played it for her. And she said, what are you doing here? Like, why? Why are you doing this? It's an honest living. You know, it's paying the bills. Uh But this but that's this isn't your calling. That's your calling. I'm taking this tape and I'm going to give it to my boss and I'm going to play it for him. And she did. So this guy, Clarence Barnes, who I'm still friends with today, took the time to teach me how to make an audition tape, would critique it, gave me suggestions, program director names, addresses of small radio stations throughout New England to consider sending tapes to. And I kept at it until I finally got an overnight job at a station playing Barbara Streisand and Air Supply Records for $5 an hour. Five bucks an hour. But it got me in. How long did you do that? Six months. And I kept on sending out audition tapes. And then my first full-time job, I got hired doing late nights in Portland, Maine on a top 40 there. And that's that's when the career took off. Gotcha. So yeah. how, how old were you then? I'm trying to build a timeline in my mind. I was 21, so it would have been 1980. Oh my gosh, you're so, so young. Such a baby doing all of that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but there was a two or three year period like prior to that that I really just kind of lost my way and I didn't really... Do you think it's a, a fair assessment to say, yeah, you're kind of a kid? Like you were like 18 or 19, 17, 18, you know, trying to figure it out. Oh, School yeah. School didn't work out. You right. got to scrap it together and figure it out. Yeah. Those years are really, can be really tough, especially if you're not in college doing the thing that everybody else is doing. Right. And then oh. you're like, holy F, what do I do Yeah, now? well, and that was the other thing too, is like all my friends had gone off to college and at this point we're graduating and we're already getting jobs like on Wall Street and stuff. I just... I just didn't have that clear path that everybody else seemed to. So that was probably the most pivotal moment when Debbie was just like, what are you doing? Like, wake up. This guy slapped me and said. Mm-hmm. Good for, do, are yeah, you still friends with still, that woman as well? Yeah, we're, we're still connected on Facebook. And, you know, it yeah. kind of, it's a little sad to me because 
like her ultimate goal was to work in the record business, in the record label business. She wanted to yeah. be like an A&R guy. She ended up taking a different path. And yeah. You know what, Jeff? I would say not everyone is as tormented by their uh, passion, their, their drive in life as we are. I think you and I are the same. Like if we weren't, like if I wasn't doing this now, it torments me every moment. Every I've had so many jobs, and every moment of that, those jobs, I was tormented that I wasn't doing this. Really? You know? Do you yeah. feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing now? Yeah, I'm on the path. Yeah, I get yeah. to talk and entertain and um, use my voice in some sort of way. Your personality has to come through. It's got to be a part of it. Otherwise, what's the point? Speaking of which, so on your show, you're famous. Now, give me, tell me if I'm wrong or not, okay? And be real, real honest with me. Okay. Um, I know that you like to do as much live in the moment. Don't prep as <laughs> not, not, not that there's a lack of prep, right. but it's, we have to get the natural reaction mm-hmm. as much as possible. And I know that we, we sometimes can battle with people who make decisions on whether or not we think that's a good idea. I say we, as a ubiquitous radio community, I think if you overplan anything, like, hey, I'm going to reveal something today on the air that could surprise you. If you're my part, if you're Jen, if, if it's something that I think is going to get a reaction out of you, I don't want to tell you before. I want to save it for the show. Okay. Yeah. Because, okay, so there are there are rumors that float around around Jeff that he's this maverick radio guy. I'm like, well, just do what, you, do what Jeff does. Like, let's just get him live on the air and see how this person reacts. <laughs> you're like, no, you No, but you can't. I mean, there has to be a framework. But like, you framework. do it royally, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. There, there has to be a framework to it. And <laughs> and I've gone round and round, you know, with Patty on this too. Patty Marshall, who's our program director, and she's right about this. There are certain things, especially if it's a big event going on, like Jen made the decision to move. So that's going to require her having to purge a lot of the stuff in her house and get her house ready for sale. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's a pack rat. That's There's a process to that. <laughs> and I think there are a lot of interesting stories that can come out of that. But I think you also sort of have to plan those moments out. Because if you don't execute it right, then there are missed opportunities there. So on one hand, I think it's good to plan and have a framework, or at least a game plan, a loose game plan for how you're going to do this. But I think if you overplan it, you take away the spontaneity and the honest reactions out of it. It's like planning a trip. It's, you know, when you go on vacation, you can plan, okay, well, we're going to go to Paris, and then we're going to go to the Louvre, and then we're going to see the Eiffel Tower. But I think if you plan it minute by minute... Yeah. And it just, it never goes according to plan. Yeah. And then you're disappointed. So leave some room for spontaneity. I'm glad you brought that up because now I want to talk about how much you uh, have the travel bug. You love to travel and you are love to travel. a huge foodie. Yeah. So when it comes to traveling, what do you look forward to before each trip? Discovering something new. My favorite thing is to get lost, like to get into a car and go somewhere I've never been before and see something for the first time. I don't know if there's a, there's a chemical in the brain that is released when you hear a fantastic song for the first time yeah. or when you experience a bite of something amazing for the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's ever as good the second or third. It's still pretty good, pretty close, Yeah, but it's discovering something new. And that comes from just taking those great American road trips as kids. Mom would pack us in the station wagon, and we would hit the road, and we didn't have a lot of money to stay in hotels, so we would sometimes have to drive through the night. So sometimes if my stepdad was with us, they would just take turns, like my mom would sleep while my stepdad drove. So there was a lot of like dark highways at night, which to me just was all that much more fun and exciting. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh-huh. like what are we going to see? And stopping at a at a truck stop or... A fast food joint that I had never mm-hmm. been to was exciting to me. So that's carried through adulthood. I want to go somewhere new. And that doesn't mean that I don't like to visit places I've been before. I've been to Italy twice and I would absolutely go to Holland again. And, you know, we go to the West Coast a lot, but there's nothing quite like discovering something new for the first time because of the ching, you know, Maria Kondo. And she does What's that show that, um, Oh you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Uh, she says, you know, you hold an item like this. Does, does it give you joy? Do you feel that ching of joy? Yes. You know, that's, that's what I feel when I discover something new for the first time. Oh, me too. You have a, you have such, such, such a, um, a lively, 
um, I'll say like, young, you're so young at heart. I think it's that surprise factor that you still yeah. let yourself engage in on a regular basis. Absolutely. Because we're always learning and you're such an opportunist. Well, you want something to look forward yeah. to all the time, don't you? Yeah. So what do you do when you're coming back from a trip? You're on the flight home. And you're basking in the glory of that trip, and you got uh, work waiting for you Monday morning. Uh, How do you get over that? You start planning the next one. Yes. <laughs> so you're always in this constant. What's more fun, taking the trip or planning it? I'm not sure which. Yeah. But it, I get a lot of joy and excitement from planning the next one. Do you plan? Because you travel with Kristen, yeah. your girlfriend, a lot. And sometimes alone. Okay. Do you um, do you do a lot of the planning between the two of you? Yeah, the, we'll we'll do research and we send each other. You should see our text stream because it's a lot of like five places in Croatia you must see. Yeah, and it just gets you jazzed and excited about. Hey, yeah, maybe we should look into going to Malta. That seems pretty cool. Oh, that does sound pretty cool. You're getting me like way. It's I haven't traveled at all since I've been home, and I'm it's kind of been gone. And yeah. I think like you know you go through d- different phases of life, and that's because my priorities are something else right now. Right. Um, but I love watching your life on Facebook and see where you're going all the time. Do you have a favorite spot that you've been? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite spots is some someplace I actually went alone, and that was the Netherlands. Chris and I couldn't go together, and I was looking to go somewhere in Europe where there wouldn't be like a huge language barrier. Mm-hmm. I was just a little intimidated by it all. I wanted to go somewhere easy, and someone suggested, well, you should totally go to the Netherlands because everybody speaks English in the Netherlands. So that's what I did. So I booked this trip to Amsterdam. And it was just fantastic. Like everybody was so ridiculously nice. Everything about it was just easy. And I had this great car and I had with this fantastic GPS system and I had planned it, but not overplanned it. And the cuisine, the one thing that you don't go to the Netherlands for is their food. <laughs> but you, you go like for their Italian or for their Thai or like every other. Yeah. That to me was just a super special place. And I think it was the most fun I've ever had. By myself. Wow, that's a bold, that's very exciting. That's a bold statement. Yeah. Did you do any planning before you went to the Netherlands? Almost no planning at all. Awesome. Yeah. And that, I think, is what I liked it. Like, it felt very sort of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm just going to hop on this boat, this canal boat. Oh, my God. Just see what happens. You, literally every moment of consciousness, you are learning because you're making the decisions on the spur of the moment. You're deciding what to do next, and everything is brand new. Right. So it's like, Keeping you on your toes. That's very exciting. That's mind expansive. Oh, wait. There's bikes. I'm riding a bike. (laughs) I'm riding a bike. I rode a bike. I went visited windmills on it. (laughs) So, yeah, just that whole rolling with it. I can say I did that once. I went to Cambodia for three weeks. And I just bought a plane ticket. I was, I had like researched going to this yoga studio that I wanted to go to. And so I booked it in Cambodia. Didn't even buy the plane ticket yet. The next day I bought the plane ticket. And so, but I booked the trip. I was there for three and a half weeks. And the, by yourself? Yes. Oh, wow. And the la- I knew that like the last seven or 10 days, I had to be at the bottom of the country at this yoga studio. But I got a plane ticket to purposefully to the city at the top of the country. Oh, and yeah, I never yeah. bought a travel book. Right. I never read one um, like Obscura or what is that backpacking? Lonely Planet. Lonely Planet. I never, I did not research anything. And I just... Got on the plane, and of course, I was in New York for work before I got the plane to get out of New York, and I like read it wrong. I mean, I didn't, <laughs> looking back, I learned I did it so dumb, and I missed the flight going oh. into it, and then didn't get there. I mean, all these things, but I didn't plan a gosh darn thing, and I learned so much, and it was exhausting. I could have done it easier, right? but it was also just mind-blowing. Boggling change. Well, yeah, what's great is you had three and a half weeks to recover from whatever mistake you made. So, yes. you know, if you, if, you, if you hopped on the wrong train or you wound up in the that wrong city like, or the wrong part of the country or... Oh, man, I didn't have any place to go. And then on t- on top of it, I was like expecting a check to be like um, getting paid like the day I got there. Oh, no. And so I was money. I didn't have enough money. Like it was nuts, but it's similar in that. But you were forced to make it work. You just do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, oh, I love that you just like up in <laughs> Cambodia for three and a half weeks by yourself. <laughs> that's great. It was, yeah, it was, I got some yoga thing, but that's not till the end. So I'm going to start here or work my way down there. And if I get food poisoning in between, that's okay because it's three and a half weeks. I'll recover by then. Right. Yeah, I didn't have any health insurance. I mean, you just don't plan uh, anything. I don't know that I wouldn't have planned anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably, you know, have a guidebook yeah. just in case. But yeah. 
I learned a lot. That sounds amazing. I would love to go to Cambodia. Oh, and it's Thailand and Malaysia. Oh, same. You know what? I, you know, the one thing I do regret from that trip was that I didn't go to all the other. I didn't go to Laos. I didn't go to yeah. um, Vietnam or anything like that. And I would love to go to Malaysia. Yeah, and, uh, for sure. Manila's down there. So I would love to go back and do more things like that. Well, it's it easy is, to get around to. Yeah. And, and I mean, we were talking earlier about, you know, one of the th- exciting things for me in traveling is it's not just seeing something new, but it's also experiencing you know, someone else's scene, really kind of immersing yourself in the the culture. I like stepping out of my own world. You know, I think we get so caught up in ourselves and our own little world that there's just so much more to see. And I think it just offers kind of a unique perspective seeing how Can you say what? other people live. Like, what have you learned from traveling so much and seeing the way other people live? I just love how Europeans live so efficiently and how they live on less. Like, I don't need this big, huge, giant, massive SUV when I'm just driving myself around necessarily, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. If you live in the right neighborhood, you don't even necessarily need a car. Yeah. It's just sort of this mentality of acquiring only what you need. And I think sometimes as Americans, God bless us, we just, you know, we're all about of massing there's nothing wrong with that i'm not knocking it but there are just other ways to approach life and that's what i like about visiting other places and experiencing other cultures and obviously when you travel you eat a lot of the food you're a big foodie i didn't used to be david fox boca was in oakley if you remember the layout of the boca when it was on madison and oakley you know it had like three stools and you would just kind of saunter up to where they were preparing the food and it's like dinner and a show it was Mm -hmm. fascinating and they brought out the Brussels sprout with the with the scallops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the time David Falk is done with these Brussels sprouts, you know, they're I'm not a huge Brussels sprouts fan, but I love the way David Falk makes it. And that for me just changed my life because a chef was able to make me like something that I prior to that didn't like. <laughs> That's pretty huge. So, yeah. that was, so that was a huge thing. So suddenly, if you can make me like something that I don't like, then <laughs> I will follow you anywhere. And so I started trying out all these other things on his menu. And I just discovered that, okay, you know, you're not going to like everything that's put in front of you, but it just made me more adventurous and it just changed my way of thinking. And it goes back to that discovering something new and amazing for the first time. And I love that high that comes with that. And that's what made me a foodie. It doesn't matter if it's here or on the other side of the world. If I have an opportunity to try something new, not necessarily expensive, just something new. Yeah. Listen, you know, we're we're not made of money here so we don't always have the opportunity to go somewhere far and exotic sometimes we got to find these opportunities in our own backyard but i've also gotten pretty aggressive with finding travel deals that's my other thing now is finding travel deals and using my if you ever watched george clooney in that movie uh Oh, what's it called? Is it called Up and Away or Far and Away or something? I think it's called Up and Away. I've never seen it. It might be Up and Away, but because of his job, he travels all the time. And every purchase he makes and every move he makes is in an effort to earn miles. And that just stuck with me. So if I suddenly discover, oh, I have a companion ticket that I didn't use and I got to use it by May. And where are we going to go next? If we can get a hotel deal and save some money at the same time, there are opportunities to try something new in a city that maybe you've been to five or six times, but you've never been to this Korean restaurant necessarily. Oh, I like how you say aggressive. You're getting me very, very excited. So as someone who um, you're you're on a budget and you go out and you want to go out of town for the weekend. Right. It's very accessible to do, right? It's something that people don't realize. It's so affordable you absolutely can do it. yeah no you, you don't have to be rich how many neighborhood gems do we have in our own backyard where you can find a fantastic meal for oh my gosh reasonable price right here in our own town mm-hmm. you know? countless you know i just found a place yesterday called uh bucks barbecue down uh of 52 i guess or is that 50 out towards my mom lives in new richmond going yeah. out there huh. and it's a barbecue place that's like in a little one bedroom house it used to be and right next to it oh, there's cool. this old school gas station where they pump your gas and then you can like go get barbecue right yeah. there. It's like the best barbecue I've ever had. It's, it's like delicious. finding a great wine for less than 10 bucks. Ah, oh, those exist, yeah, right? Yeah, of course they exist. <laughs> you don't have to spend a lot of money on a pretentious bottle of wine to enjoy. Oh, very true. Much. I feel like when it comes to wine, I don't have as um, developed, I don't I don't have the, the mentality behind the taste buds to know exactly what I like. I Neither feel like do I. I know what I like. Right. And 
Uh, that's about it. I don't really know why I like it, but isn't I that, isn't that what anybody though? I mean, it, 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 it truly enjoys something. I couldn't tell you the first thing about wine. Oh, I know like, what I like. This is, this, is, this is the best thing about you is that you just go into everything totally open minded and just absorbing. You're always absorbing and learning, and there's no attitude behind it. So I would say sometimes it seems like you can't. Do you think you can be stubborn? Me? Yes. Little strong-headed, or what's the what? What's the word I'm looking for? Like about anything specific. Hard-headed. Well, you said earlier how Boca and David Falk he made you like something you didn't like before, and that was super great for you. Yeah. Do you think that sometimes you can go into something and be a little closed off to it? Yeah, maybe because I'm that guy who freaks out when somebody's moved my cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and your Kleenex in the studio. You and John do this dance where you move. Right. These things every single day. Why is this different? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm a creature of habit and I'm very routine. So anytime you pose a new one, hey, what do you say? We just go without pants for change. What? <laughs> Dude, not wearing pants is the best, is my favorite part of life. Anytime I don't have to wear pants, I'm in. Yeah. I'm so glad that stretch pants are a thing now. It's like you're not even wearing pants. But for me to get there, I got to get over myself, and that's not always easy. So when those little things like being open to discovering you know, a new food or a new city or a new re- or whatever it is, mm-hmm. th- those are like personal victories for me because these are instances where I was willing to try something mm-hmm. new, which was not always the case. And you let yourself like it. That's not always easy to. Right. You can go into something. It's all about your mentality, right? It's all about your perspective. I let myself, right, and the realization that we're not going to be here forever mm-hmm. and life is happening right now. Yeah. So. Could I ask you a question about Jen? Is there something about Jen that you've learned over the years? You two have been doing this together for eons. Right. Um, I'm like, okay, so before I got this job at QNA2, I thought you and Jen were married. <laughs> and then when I got this job, I even still thought like, oh yeah, they're, mar- they're married, right? And then someone said, they've been together for a while. Jeff has been been around since it, like Jacob was born, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I was stunned to oh, find out you weren't actually married. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> But it's it's kind of being in a being uh, a co-hosting a radio co-hosting position is not like a typical job. There are a lot of factors and layers to that onion that is your position that I think are hard to. I mean, you are in a relationship and a partnership in a different way. People have a lot of different names for it. You know, they call this my work wife or my work husband. I don't know that that applies to us necessarily, but I will say that in. People don't believe us when we say that we've never been romantically involved. Why would we lie about that? If we were, we would tell you. Mm-hmm. But it's been effortless for us in the way we communicate with each other. It's just been easy. And we've always had what felt to me like an effortless chemistry. It was just very easy to have a conversation with her above anyone else on the radio. And we're wildly, we could not be more different. You really are complete polar opposites of yeah. each other. Well, I think it's a human interaction. If we like, so we're lucky in our jobs that we can let ourselves be that comfortable and go to those places that maybe other people don't because of societal norms or someone else is married, et cetera, et cetera. But within like our realm, that those things don't exist. That doesn't matter because it's all about connection. Well, we also have the advantage of history. You spend enough time with someone, you know, you develop a history and it's just that familiarity you have with someone. I compare it to siblings. Ah, yeah, yeah. I call John my brother. He's like my fourth brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can have kids that grow up in the same household that are completely different. How many times do you hear, my sister and I, we're nothing. We had the same parents. We grew up in the same house. We had the same experiences growing up and we could not be more different. So it's easy for me to have this relationship with Jen because she is she is like a sister. We ha- we know where all the bodies are buried. Mm, and all the skeletons. We have all the dirt on each other. Yes. Can you give me a piece of dirt on Jen that people, that will be new information for us? No, because she puts it all out there. She does. She yeah. Does. <laughs> Credit to her. She puts it all out there. Yeah. And I think that's a necessary ingredient to any successful show, if people feel like you're holding back and you're not being your authentic self, then mm-hmm. they can sense it. And we've that always tried to, you know, Jen's been better at it than I have. You know, it used to be me, the one that always used to hold back as much because I was 
very concerned about what people thought, and I was uncomfortable in my own skin. And it took me a lot of years to get to that point where I was more willing to just put it out there, the mm-hmm. good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. That's not an easy thing to do at all. And speaking of putting it all out there, is Jeff Thomas your real name? Nope. No, Je- I was born Michael Allen McGurdy. That's my birth name. Irish kid. McGurdy is your real last name? Yep. Well, it was. I had it legally changed. Oh, you're, so you're an Irish guy from Boston. Right. Can I ask you some rapid fire questions about things about you I just I want to know? Yep. Okay. Jeff Thomas, if you could um, describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Go. Bored. <laughs> That's it. Not with, not with, okay. Not with this conversation. <laughs> Restless. Wanderlust. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is the best thing that's happened to you that's happened in your life? Getting over myself. Really? Yeah. You think you did this, you're further along in that journey? I wasn't experiencing personal growth. I wasn't happy. I had everything in the world that I could have possibly wanted, yet I was still unhappy. And why was I so angry? And this, so the therapy was great because it allowed me to take all of the things that were kind of stuffed into this filing cabinet into my head and lay them out on the table and sort of organize them and put them together in a way that helped me understand, you know, what was what was driving a lot of these unhealthy psychological bad habits. And I, I think that, and I think you just do. I think there's something about getting, maybe not. Maybe some people just get more crotchety and cranky in their old age. I find myself <laughs> getting softer. All your crotchety and cranky years are over. Maybe you were... When you were younger. I think it's that aggressiveness you have just in general towards life. No, it is. And focus it and you turn it on yourself sometimes because that's just how you deal with everything. Well, at least I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about myself. At least I know that's how I am. I'm trying to relate. I think it's similar a little bit. Um, What's the best, what, what is your favorite best thing that's happened in six months to go to a year to six months? We did Costa Rica over the holidays. That was fantastic. Kristen's kids were there. Where were you in Costa Rica? Had never been to Central America. Near Jaco. Oh, sorry, you told me that. Yeah, uh, so I've been it was like the West before. Central coastline. Mm-hmm. Oh, we did it all. Went hiking through the rainforest, ziplined, went on a went on a catamaran, went snorkeling, got hit by a jellyfish. That was awesome. You did? <laughs> yeah. And it was awesome. No, it wasn't awesome. Okay. <laughs> it hurt. But to have that experience, you know, that was yeah. just that was wild. That was the new experience. That was great. It was hot as hell. That was so much fun. And, you know, her kids are older now. Like her her daughter has graduated from college. She's living and working in DC and her her son is a third year UVA and her daughter's about to graduate high school and go off to college. So to be able to get everybody together in one place is next to impossible. So to have it, to have that time with everybody together was huge. That was probably the, the best thing that happened in the past six months. That's awesome. Yeah. That really like filled my heart. You're such a family man. Which I'm really not. I that's know. That's, I know. That's why I'm like, <laughs> that this. like, yeah, there's a whole other side of you that we didn't all know. You know, you I never become had this kids. family man who likes sweating and zip lining. <laughs> oh gosh! I just, I never had a desire to have kids, and I don't know how to make this sound like without it sounding horrible. But <laughs> like the women I was with, when I say the women I was with didn't want kids either, it makes them sound. That's not true. I don't. I don't think so. No, okay. I don't think about having kids. Yeah. Sometimes, if I'm around. I'm around children long enough. Like when I lived in my brother and sister-in-law's basement, they have four little girls. Uh-huh. That's the only time in my life I was like, ooh, maybe I'll have a kid. Yeah. But I think that's just because I was around them all the time. But yeah. now that I'm on my own, do back to my life, I don't think about it. It wasn't that I didn't want kids. I just knew that I'm I'm the most selfish person I've ever met. And I didn't want anything that was going to take the focus off of me. So... <laughs> Hey, but then I can I uh, I applaud you for years later. I end up in the, I find myself in this relationship with this woman who, at the time, had a thirteen-year-old, an eleven-year-old, and an eight-year-old, and that was the biggest surprise for me. Is like how much just having them in my life has enriched me as a person. They really have changed my life in a way that I don't know that they'll fully understand until maybe they have young people in their life that have moved and changed them in the way they have me. Wow. And they're great because they're not yours. So you can, and you live in a different house. So you can like touch and go a little bit. 
Okay, we're done here. <laughs> I'll see you guys. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. Okay, yeah. so I want to ask you these three, though. Okay, so we did year. Sorry, six, you're trying to do these rapid fires, and I'm like ruining your rapid oh, fire. Oh, I work. forgot that we, I even called them rapid fire at this point. You had me sucked in. Uh, year, six month, month. Best thing in a month? D.C., trip to D.C. Mm. Got to tour the White House. Tell us about that. Wandering around the White House, that was just a wild experience because... Once they vet you, you know, once you go through the background checks and you have to go through your congressional representative to, to make the arrangements, and once you go through all these security protocols, once you're in there, they, they kind of just sort of let you go and go, have fun, and they, they allow you to wander around. It is the self-guided tour. You're able to just wander into the blue room, and then you kind of wander into the red room, and you can wander into the east room. It's trust you're, all that America. You're just like within, you could... Not that I would recommend this, but you like you can reach out and you can touch the presidential portrait. Do not do that. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> the fact that it's so open and accessible was wild. And to look out the windows of the White House, because you're you're looking at Washington from a perspective that few people have. That was mind-blowing to me. Oh, I love your excitement for it. Okay, so are you that type of museum person, no matter like which... Where you go, you have to read everything, touch everything, see everything. Not everything, but how it relates to recent human history. You know, one of my favorite classes in school as a kid growing up was American Studies. It felt more recent and relatable. You know, we we started in the Roosevelt years and we kind of worked our way forward. And so we were talking about events that were current that made a real difference in our day-to-day. And I think that's what kind of sucked me in so from then on it was i i sort of became this history and political junkie and a bit of a news junkie too which i think you have to be careful of because i found myself getting sucked in where i was watching cable news all the time and i found myself getting angrier and angrier and i think that's when i went through that angry period where you spend a little too much time and you listen to these commentators and the arguing and the fighting that goes back and forth they can really have a direct impact on your mood and in your attitude well it's tough to i mean the more that you're gonna the more that you watch people being angry the more it's absolutely mm-hmm. contagious you know there's news and then there's commentary and i think you know americans are smart enough to make their own decision without having a commentator or a talk show host do your thinking for you and come up with your talking points come up with an original thought and let's think independently on these issues instead of being loyal to a certain party Let's take each individual on a case-by-case basis. Ah, free-form communication. That's sure. Free thinking. Isn't that the dream? That's the dream. I like don't know. I don't. I don't want to say there without um getting myself in too much trouble without well, the, saying my opinion about stuff. Well, but. you can't because we don't have tolerance for other people's opinion anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know? There's too much access. That's I feel like it can be right too much. Um, okay, what about this past week? Best thing that happened to me this past week? Uh-huh. It's related to food. Okay. We got to finally uh, go to one of our favorite restaurants for the first time this year, but it's not about the restaurant. It's not even about the food. It's about the connection and the person that I'm with, and I had an opportunity to uh, catch up. Life got busy. That's important in a relationship. It is. So you guys get together, the two of you, as much as you can, and just talk about What's been going on when the other person wasn't there? Yeah, so we're in this really we've been in this relationship for almost nine years. We didn't do that thing where couples just like they move in together after a while. We maintain separate residences. We're both busy people. We get together for date night on Wednesday nights, try to spend as much of the weekend as we can together. But you know, we all got stuff and she's got a job and you know, there's so, five other days in the week that you're either busy or you're doing something else or you may not necessarily have an opportunity to connect in the way yeah. that you do when it's just one-on-one. So to me, that's meaningful and it's important and I love it. Oh, this is relationship goals because I feel like so, so much you feel like you have to, you're living proof that you don't have to cohabitate and make it work. You don't have to be together every minute of every day, no. Oh, amen to that. It's hard for people to understand that and to not get offended. Right. There are people who are in a relationship and feel lonely and there are people who are single and don't feel lonely and that's (laughs) fascinating to me yeah how you can you can be in a relationship or in a marriage and feel like that other person you know and i've been in relationships where i'm like i I don't feel like this person knows me or that this person gets me and you just have this incredible feeling of loneliness this lack of connection and that's when you know it's it's wrong. 
Oh, it's nice to meet someone who really understands you. It doesn't happen that often. Do you feel like that happens often? It's funny because one of the things that I, you know, we, when we talk about like one-on-one communication, when we talk about quote-unquote substantive conversation, I think it's one of the reasons why I don't love small talk. I don't. Mm. Parties are tough for me because there's, it's a lot of surface talk. So we're going to go to this party and we're going to what? We're going <laughs> to... Like, you've got to meet my gonna, you've got to meet my man. You two are just two pieces. How long are we gonna be stuck here? <laughs> but it's it's gonna be fun. Everybody's gonna be there. But what are we gonna talk about? You can talk about whatever you want. It never gets to that. <laughs> it starts out with the initial oh <laughs> talking about the how are you? It's good to see you. How's it been going? Good. You strike me as the type that would just go up to a stranger and and say Ask them, like, so what is like, what is the most pivotal thing that's ever happened to you in your life right now? Go. When you were a kid, how, what was your relationship with, like, with, with your dad? Right. You know? Just cut right to it. And I don't even think, if I were to do that, I don't even think most people want to go there in that moment. They may be content to just keeping it surface. But for me, that feels like such a waste of time. And I'm not saying that we got to talk about anything deep or necessarily esoteric. But if we can go beyond, how do you know so-and-so, and what do you do, or what is what is there interesting about you? One of the things I love about doing the best friend game, there's always some tidbit of information about that person that I find unique and interesting. You know, the other day we had a contestant on who, she participates in drag shows. She performs in drag shows. She performs in drag mm-hmm. shows. And it was a term I'd never heard before, a bio queen. Yeah, I've seen a bio queen a couple times. Never heard of it. Blew my mind. How interesting is that to me? Because it's different and it's not the norm. I met someone who just recently spent the last two years living in Bangkok, Thailand. And this was someone who prior to that had never been out of the country before. And her biggest thing now, her biggest goal is to just spend the rest of her life looking for any and every opportunity to travel. It's those little opportunities where you've got me hooked. You just suck me in. Now I want to get to know you better. Now I want to know your story. That is so much more interesting to me than just sitting around and just talking small talk or about sports or whatever. You know, but for other people, that's that's connecting. Not judging it. It's just not for me. So do you feel like that's where your social awkwardness comes from? Yeah, it's not knowing where, where, where do we take this conversation? Where do we, it's just your where do we go? <laughs> well, that's very nice to meet you. I, I swear I, I have I have nothing else at this time, Your Honor. <laughs> I, have else. I have no further questions. <laughs> I, if I, I can't make you go there. If you don't, if if you want to keep it surface and you don't want to go there, I can't make you. And that's where we often hit a dead end. Mm. So what was the pivotal thing? What was the biggest, most exciting thing that happened to you in the past week? I would say, ooh, to be really honest, I spent the last week with my boyfriend and we've really... We've come into a new place. We got to a deeper place emotionally that was really pivotal. It was really like all of a sudden I woke up the next day and finally we're there. You know? Wow. See, this is how much catching up we got. <laughs> I know. Well, it's new. This is weird. Have you ever met someone with this person? It's been totally crazy. I'm not going to say his name or anything. Uh, but we met each other. And I hate to say like at first sight anything, but we just saw each other and we both were like, yep. That'll do. Wow. Like, oh my gosh, right? That's great. But then, so I feel like- You're talking like from a physical attraction standpoint, like you looked at each other and you knew- We we looked in each- I mean, I looked in this person's eyes and like, oh my God. I like felt it and like got really scared and intimidated and that doesn't always happen to me, especially, you know? And, um, you know, it doesn't happen in general. And And then I felt like every moment until this past week, we were just trying to catch up with where we already felt- we were Hmm. like we felt like I just felt like such a sense of comfort with him and a sense of like soul connection. Yeah. But we had to get to know each other really. Right. And have covers. And I tend to freak out a lot, put up walls. I have to to talk everything out, every single emotion with that person or with Um, with both with, with, with myself and with my significant other. That's good. And this past week was really, it was just really, really, it, a lot was but it's settled and also can i say this i gave him a gift that i intended to give him for christmas that i didn't give him until this past weekend <laughs> and he loves it as much as i thought he would good i was nervous i i bought it and got the whole thing the whole plan for it 
going after I'd only known him for less than a month. Yeah. And at the time I was like, I, I just have a feeling he's really going to like this. Uh-huh. And he is obsessed with it. Like oh, he loves it great. more than I thought he would. And I put a lot of time and effort. It took me like three months to have it finished wow. too. Two, six weeks, whatever, a long time. So when you when you use the term significant other, how long has it has that been the status? For <laughs> of lack me, of a better of phrase. Me and this person. Yes. Um we, three months. We met in October, started dating a month later, and so Yeah. Um it's been How does that go now? Like you meet it somebody sucks. and then like a month later do you say, Hey, you know what? I'm not seeing anybody else. Yeah, well Are we both were, we else? both were seeing other people at the time, uh-huh. but we um, started following each other as it happens. And we have like 300 mutual friends. We know all the same people. It's kind of one of those, how do we never meet before? This is crazy right. type of deals. Yeah. And so like, I think that our paths had processed, I had crossed a lot because we didn't notice each other until the day we met. And then after that, for that month, we were just like in each other's world so often and kept popping up wow. and on each other's radars. So then we just decided to take a leap and like ended it with our other people. And then, Close those books, and then you kind of opened up your own. Yeah. All right. And now we're just seeing how it goes. That's great. Yeah. It's pretty, it's fun. And it's also, but dating in your mid-30s in the um, in Cincinnati, Ohio is tough. Not going to lie. Like coming from- I feel like everybody in every city says that. But it, yes. I, I definitely think you so. You think it's more true in Cincinnati than any other- At least for me it is, because I've- um. At least I feel this way because I don't have as many. All my friends are married already and I haven't been here in a decade. And I came from a place where all of my friends were in their mid 30s and working and single. And if they would have kids, it wouldn't be till they were 40 or 39 or something. And that's that's the norm. And we all got together and talked all the time. And we're always going out together and always having um, dinners together on Tuesdays. And just everyone's very passionate about their jobs and also life and exercising together and all these things and here um i guess maybe i don't have i need to meet more friends but it's just a different pace of life here you know so trying to find that balance within there i feel like do you talk about your relationship on the air on your show a little bit i mentioned a little bit i mean it's still super new yeah so i've now graduated from saying my dude to my man because i don't like saying boyfriend to my or whatever you know yeah like he's a man he's my man chris and i went through this period where we didn't really want to call it anything we didn't want to put a label on it and a buddy of mine had said, why do you have to put any label on it? Why can't you just kind of do your thing and just sort of let the relationship just be whatever it is? And so I always used to refer to Kristen as my friend. And then one day she sat me down and she goes, I'm not your friend. Yeah. I'm your girlfriend. <laughs> okay. I can't call her my woman. Can yeah. I? Maybe. I mean, what, he, calls, what, he calls me his lady or his woman sometimes, but I just... Personally, what I guess whatever she's my lady, whatever resonates with you. Like yeah. I like saying, "This is my man. This is my person." Right to me, like boyfriend this doesn't is my do it, person doesn't do it justice. I like, like that. This is my person. This is my person. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy for you. That's good. Thanks. I'm happy for you. It's definitely a change, a little bit. What's a change? I'm gonna say it's a change. What do you mean like being on the other side from the last person that I was involved with that you knew about? So, oh, uh, oh, you yeah. mean this relationship. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's an amazing change. It's great. So, Good. Yeah. And it's definitely been a change being on this side of the mic. I don't know if I ever really relaxed. This is you you it's a, this is fun. And this is intimidating. You want to do it next week? <laughs> well, I'm sure we can make that happen for you if you really want to do it. <laughs> We're going to have to go out and get drinks, and then we'll just right. do it. Oh, right. We'll talk about it then. Uh-huh. Okay, hold on. And then the last question is, what is the best thing that's happened to you today? This. Hey! This conversation. I love it. Person of interest, Jeff Thomas. Thank you for letting me do this. When I proposed this to you at first, you said... Well, it felt a little self-serving. No. I can understand how you how you feel that and see that, but it's me. I just want I want to know more about you. And you are the interviewer. You deserve to be interviewed. I feel like there's so much more to you that everybody needs to know. Well, thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas. Yeah.